It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to Tennis Unfiltered with me, James Gray of iNews.co.uk and the iNewspaper. It's the day five review, I believe. The second round is in the books. You're getting one of the in-transit daily podcasts that I do. Um, the kind of the price you pay for getting a podcast every day is that sometimes I am a little bit behind the eight ball when it comes to schedule. So in this case, I finished last night <coughs> quite late, and today. Um, up against it in terms of time. People who work in newspapers will know that Fridays are always very busy because Saturday papers are much bigger and have early deadlines. So I am a little bit more pushed today. So you get me talking into a microphone for the next, oh, I don't know, 20 minutes or so on route down the uh, Rue La Fontaine, which I suppose could mean that if you're in Paris, you could now track me down and have a go at me for not liking Roger Federer or Rafa Nadal or Novak Djokovic enough or whatever it might be whichever particular cause célèbre uh, is in your mind this week uh, I will do my best with wind noise I can do things about that I can't do anything about traffic noise but hopefully that makes it authentic and Parisian so day five uh, I don't know if you're following me on Twitter will know, at James Grace Board, by the way, that uh, I was doing something slightly unusual yesterday, which was, in order to write a feature about the unique nature of the French Open crowd, which everyone says is quite, quite different from anywhere else in the world, uh, I decided to spend all day on Philippe Chatrier, watching, I watched every point played on Philippe Chatrier, to try and get an idea of why the crowd are the way they are, the way they ebb and flow, and, and all of that. Um, from a tennis perspective, I don't think I could have picked a worse day in the last 12 months of Grand Slam tennis. And that is no slight on the players involved, but I'm afraid that the matches were neither 
competitive nor particularly absorbing. <laughs> there was one set against the head, as in only one set was won by the person who didn't go on to win the match. No five setters, no three set women's matches, one four setter, and that was it. Um, and to be honest, that four setter <laughs> might have been the least, well, it wasn't the least competitive, but it was hardly a competitive one. Um, Alexander Earth, Casper Rude opened up the day. Was a finalist here, uh, what last year in fact, and someone who's then been to another Grand Slam final, but since then has kind of fallen on his uppers in terms of form. Um, but he probably couldn't have wished for a, a much better second round draw than Giulio Zeppidi, the Italian, who actually I, I think you know might figure in some interesting matches over the years. He's 21, um, came through qualifying, he's left-handed, he's got, he hits the ball really hard, like, his, his forehand is really big, but it's a bit wayward sometimes, the backhand isn't great, as far as I can tell. Again, I'm not a tennis expert, as you all know, I just sort of, you know, try and work it out as I go along. Um, and yeah, he got a set off route, like, but basically... The third set was pretty serve-dominated. looked like it was going to be, for all money, a very straightforward uh, straight-set victory. And then Rude just chucked in an absolutely abysmal service game at 4-5. And, and that was that. No chance to, of reprieve because that was the set. And then meant that he had to play another 40 minutes in order to get his way through to the third round. Which did, and you know, fair play to him, well done. The crowd were not super engaged. I mean, they weren't there for the most part. Chatre like, starts at 11.45, the tennis gets going about 11.55 in reality. And people still filing in, all the corporates are still having their lunch and maybe glancing through the sort of glass front every now and again to watch a point or two. But the cheap seats up top are relatively full at that point, but for the most part, it's pretty empty. Uh, it got, and then everyone clears out. So after the match, go and get a, you know, a gulwaz and a black coffee and a baguette. I know, it's lots of cliches, but that is kind of it. And so when the next match starts, invariably it's kind of empty. And then fortunately they do let people in at one love here. At most tournaments, they won't let you in for the first three games of the set, which is kind of infuriating. Especially given that these days, players, you know, at one love, do stop at their share for about 30 seconds, take a drink, towel off, blah, blah, blah. So there's plenty of time for people to get in. I mean, I, I think I've said this before, but I've always been in the opinion that in tennis, like it kind of happens in New York, although they don't, it's not deliberate. But I think noise and movement should just be part of it. Like, you know, just get on with it. Like you see it sometimes in golf, like in the Ryder Cup, where players will be like, no, no, go on, cheer through my swing. And, like, I just think if we normalised that a bit, well, I don't know. Kids don't want to sit still and be quiet, do they? During anything. So I can't see how you'd get kids to want to watch something where they have to sit still and keep quiet for, let's face it, the majority of the time. Anyway, separate rant. Uh, so then Igor Shrontek played Claire Yu. 
who she had already thrashed, I think, for the loss of one game earlier this year. Um, clearly, you've got a few more games this time, but Shanta was still... I mean, Shanta didn't play that well. It was quite windy again, but it's the ultimate kind of slightly disappointing match because it's like she didn't play well, so that wasn't particularly spectacular. She played all right second set. She played pretty well for second set, but... Like, not only was she not playing well, but she was still miles better than her opponent. It's just like, well, there's really no jeopardy here. And I was hoping the jeopardy might come when, you know, like uber-aggressive Ossian Dodin, the last female French player left in the draw, took on Onsjabur, but again, like, the gap in quality was just a bit too big. I mean, Ons is good to watch, like, irrespective of whether it's a competitive match, like... Her drop shot, her demeanour, her personality. And I, I went to her because I was, I, the rule I made for myself was I could leave Chatrier if there weren't players on court. And Jabur finished at about quarter to seven, so that gave me an hour and a half. And So I went to her press conference and I asked her about the crowd. Because at one point, she hit a backhand return and it hit the net and dropped dead over the other side. For a winner and that was game point as well and she walks to her bench and gets roundly booed by the boo happy Parisian crowd and it's like what are you booing there like what's the, who, who or what is being booed just sort of general sense of dissatisfaction but yeah I said to Ons like you know they're obviously not booing you per se but it is sort of in your general direction so, how do you deal with that? Like, do you completely block it out? And she, she was really interesting on it, actually. She, she was like, well, obviously, I didn't want the mean to hit the net and win the point like that. And then she was like, but, you know, it's really important not to engage with them when they're against you, because then it'll just get worse and worse and more hostile, um, which was really interesting. And actually, the night match, Alexander Zvero said something not similar, but kind of echoed it he won in straight sets it, it was incredibly one-sided the the most into it the crowd got was at four love in the third set when Molchan was trying to get himself on the scoreboard and avoid the bagel and then they started like it was half ten at night had a few beers like a couple of comments at Alexander Zverev a couple of shout outs but like nothing really wasn't that bad and afterwards Zverev said you know it can be when they're against you it can be pretty hostile in here and that's true like it can be hostile but they have to be engaged in the match like they don't just sort of get hostile or supportive out of nothing like it has to be one of their favorites i.e like federer or to a slightly lesser extent nadal believe it or not uh or a french player and you know, you kind of have to draw them into it otherwise. So, yeah, I don't know. That's That would be my tip. If I was, if you're someone who needs the crowd behind you and really likes that positive energy that we bring you, and you're playing on Chatrier and you're not French and there's no French player involved, like, engage with them. You know, wave your arms at them. Like, mess around with them a bit because I think they're keen to be involved in the match, but they need a reason. That's my sort of takeaway from the whole thing. Anyway, it wasn't, as I say, a thrilling 
day of tennis because I was completely sat on the wrong court. Uh, there's a lesson in journalism. If you're going to marry yourself to a plan and stick to it rigidly, you're almost certainly going to miss the story. And, and that's what happened. There were two fabulous matches, dramatic for different reasons, on Suzanne Longbeck. The first one, Yannick Sinner against Daniel Altmaier. I mean, Yannick Sinner's starting to become the guy who plays brilliant matches at Grand Slams and never wins them. You know, he served for the match in the fourth set, two match points on his serve, didn't take them, obviously. And then it, it was a thrilling match and like the biggest win of Altmaier's career for obvious reasons. And like it was electric. Um, my flatmate caught a tennis ball. She revealed that when I eventually got home last night. She had a look what I got from Cinematch. Apparently you're allowed to keep them here, so that's fun. Uh, and yeah, like, Yannick Sinner needs to find a way to start winning big big matches, I think. I'll ask Calvin about that tomorrow and see what he says, but that's what it feels like. And then after that, Arthur Rindekneck against Taylor Fritz. Last French man left in the draw against Taylor Fritz. Now that wasn't five sets, but it was a decent match. And Fritz won it and immediately, like possibly before the umpire had finished saying game set match, he put his fingers to his lips and brazenly, unrepentantly shushed the crowd. You can imagine how they took that. And then he did his post-match interview, answered one question and then started getting booed again and tried to shush them again and that was it that was that was the end of his post-match interview uh, he didn't even do press so i don't quite know what happened there whether well i don't know i don't think the french journalist assaulted him but it didn't happen just going past the, the florist which might explain noises some sort of delivery just arrived it's very late in the day for that anyway uh, yeah i mean look fair play to him they I love shithousery. It's, it it's a, creates drama in tennis. I don't think shushing the crowd is overstepping the line. Like, you know, I think that's perfectly acceptable. It's, you know, it doesn't hurt anyone. And, you know, I said, well, he's virtually guaranteed the French crowd are gonna boom for the rest of the tournament. Someone pointed out that Medvedev has this relationship, had this relationship with the crowd in New York. And then they kind of turned for him, but he did win the tournament, which sort of makes it easier to fall in love with a guy. Like, how Fritz might win the French Open, it's possible he's still in the draw, therefore possible, but um, somehow it doesn't seem very likely. A quick look ahead to today as I walk down Boulevard Excellence, one of the busier streets very close to Roland Garros. Um, it's the Djokovic Alcaraz day, not they're playing each other, Christ, not yet. Uh, but it is the side of the draw which they're on in action. Uh, Alcaraz is the night match on Friday, playing Denis Shapovalov, which I think will be really entertaining. I put it as one of my ones to watch in my iNews newsletter, but I was slightly. I sort of caveated my like, this would be a great match with it could also be straight sets. And, a bit one-sided like it'll be fun but it might only be two hours and hell that two hours is fine for some people but I just I'm conscious that Shpovlov has not had a great year on clay 
yes, he's made it to the third round, but, you know, he's someone who likes to hit the ball hard and find winners early in a rally, and, like, Alcaraz is more than capable of doing that. It's that and the beautiful sort of 1990s Ferraris just flown past Amazing. Anyway, so, yeah, I would just say it's worth watching that, although if you've got really big Friday night plans, maybe they cancel them. Um, and uh, kind of the exact same thing goes for Djokovic against Davidovic Fakina. Like, to a certain extent, Davidovic Fakina's a great guy to watch. He's fiery, exciting. Motorbikes this time. Um, but, and he has beaten Djokovic before, by the way. Like, you know, albeit in Monte Carlo, and it was, I think it was just sort of a few months after Melbourne 2022. And Djokovic just talked a lot about how much that affected him, so... I don't know if we can be, you know, that forthright about how much of a difference that makes. Um, and, yeah, like, just struggling to see how that Monte Carlo match will beat itself. I think more likely is you'll see, like, maybe four sets. Like, the video should have a bit of fun with the umpire. It's probably about it. Um, I'll be back tomorrow. Hopefully I'll have Calvin or George or even both uh, to look back at that match uh, as of everything else on day six. Uh, just make sure you come back tomorrow. Sports Social Podcast Network. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.